Welcome to What the Bump, a birth story podcast. My name is Jen. I am a former labor and delivery nurse who stepped away from bedside nursing after having two babies of my own to become a full-time birth doula. This podcast is where you come to hear birth stories of all different kinds. I believe every birth story is unique. Every birth story deserves to be told and deserves to be heard. So this is a platform where we do just that. Anybody and everybody is welcome to come on the podcast to share their birth story. Even if you think your birth was boring or not very interesting, there's always something that somebody else can learn from it. So through this, I hope that we learn and we grow together. Welcome to What the Bump. I'm really excited for today's podcast. We have a kind of, I guess you could consider yourself a special guest um, because my podcast, um, like we were just talking about, Layla, is mainly like birth stories for anybody and everybody. The, you know, the mic is always open for anybody. Um, but this is kind of fun because Layla is, um, she's also a podcaster and she's a mom and her podcast is called the Learning to Mom Podcast. And she is here to kind of tell us her story, but also talk about the things that I guess you could say you're a little bit more of an expert in the things that you're passionate about and share a lot of wisdom with us. So I'm excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me on, Jen. I'm so excited to be here and I can't wait to dive into all the things. Awesome. Okay. Well, give us like kind of a, a intro for yourself and who you are. Yeah, absolutely. I am a wife and a mom and that's what everyone says in their intro, yes. <laughs> but oh, I've been a mom and also the host of the learning to mom podcast where I inform first time moms on pregnancy and birth so that they can be empowered and educated without feeling overwhelmed. And I came to start that because I really wanted to give myself or excuse me, I really wanted to give others the resource that I wish I could have had myself in my own pregnancy. I really kind of saw the gaps between like the mom influencers, if you will, or like the birth YouTube channels and even motherhood podcasts. Um, I saw the gap between those and was like, yeah, I could, I can do this better. (laughs) And so I created the learning to mom podcast. Um, that just supports women and covers pregnancy, postpartum, motherhood. Um, and I guess through that, my story, which we'll get into here in a bit, Jen, um, I really wanted to support women through like positive tips and encouraging rather than just like complaining about how hard motherhood is Mm -hmm. and how our husbands have it so much easier than we do because I experienced prenatal depression in my pregnancy, which was only made worse with like the common negativity around motherhood, which I have since been able to say and experience like, Oh, everyone was lying. Motherhood is not this horrible. Your life is over kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We're on a crusade to you know, stop that negative thought that like your life ends when you have children. Um, I I'm right there with you on that because I agree your life changes and like every season, you know, it, there are parts of it that are really, really hard, especially when you have little kids. I'm all about acknowledging, like being a mom is not easy. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. Like the reality is it's hard. It's tiring. It's the most selfless season of your entire life. However, it is beautiful and so rewarding. And there's just there is really nothing better. Um, but also like you see things, how you choose to see things. And I think that that's such a big part of it too. Like seeing it that way versus being like, I'm so tired and yeah. all the things that other people want to project onto you. 
Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent accurate. Just yes, agreed with all of that you that you have to say. And I it's so much more, it's so fun. Yes. Like here I was thinking life is so fun when you travel. And if I'm this like corporate woman with this cool title, and now I'm like, I have the time of my life <laughs> at 4 p.m. when I'm playing with my kid on the floor. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I want to hear kind of how you got to this point, I guess. Like, obviously, like most of us probably who get into like anything surrounding maternal health, whether it's pregnancy is your focus or birth or postpartum, it almost always stems from our own experiences walking through a journey of the journey of motherhood. So um, I want to hear how you got to this point. And also tell me though, before you get kind of jump in, how old are your kids slash kids. So I just have one um, currently and she is 15 months old. Oh, just a bundle of joy and so much fun. Yes. That is such a fun age. Like I love she's coming. Wait, no, she's got approaching a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Fun. I love it. My daughter just turned two and I think two is like a lot of emotion with a two-year-old, but it is, it's so fun. I love it. I know we always have to remind ourselves like she has real big adult feelings trapped in a teeny tiny body. Yes. With like the cognitive ability of a child, like a baby, you know? So it it is totally agree. Okay. Well dive into your story then tell us how you got to the point where you're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. So starting at the beginning was that actually my boyfriend and I got pregnant when we were dating. Okay. And let me tell you, Jen, that was really, really hard. Yeah. Um, essentially it was really difficult. I am a devout Catholic. I come from a really great, um, pro-life family, which was such a blessing when I found myself in this situation. Um, and, but I also was like very involved with church and even somewhat like, you know, leading youth groups and all the things. Yep. And so I really, really struggled obviously with just like shame and the Lord has had to redeem so much of that story. But, um, because of that shame that I experienced of just being afraid of like what my community was going to think of me. And then, so I experienced all of that. And then additionally, I had never really been one to dream of being a mom. Mm -hmm. Some women have ever, you know, ever since they're a little girl, like have had that desire in their heart of like, I just want to be a mom. And that was never me. Like I even remember being a little girl and not having any interest in wanting to be the pretend mom. Like, no thanks. I'll be the cool big sister who gets to boss you around, but I'm not playing mom. Like that doesn't sound fun. (laughs) I never, never desired to be a mom. And so I just really, really struggled in pregnancy with oh my gosh, I'm pregnant and I'm not married and this looks horrible. Um, and then adding that into like the reality that I was going to be a mom when I didn't, I didn't really ever even want to be, let alone wanted to be in the situation that I was in. Mm. Um, so that kind of catapulted me into experiencing prenatal depression, Mm. which is something that I'm so passionate about because one in seven women experience prenatal depression, but it is something that is not talked about for me. And the majority of women who have had prenatal depression, it is not something that we're even aware of when we have it. And it's something that you hear five years later, 
six months after you deliver and you look back at that time and you just hear someone talk about prenatal depression for the first time. And it's like a light bulb. It's like, oh my gosh, that is what I had. So I do want to kind of stop there and say, I was never medically diagnosed. This is self-diagnosis, but Mm -hmm. I had, you know, a lot of the signs. Yeah. And I also had like one of the biggest um, risk factors is in, is stressful events and unplanned pregnancy. Right. And so I was like, boom, yeah, there it is. So I just really like, I've kind of taken that as my mission to educate women on prenatal depression, because it's also not something that's like, I mean, it can happen to anyone, even if you've been begging, you know, been crying to the Lord or the universe for a child. And you're finally pregnant after years, like you could still have prenatal depression Mm -hmm. or you could have prenatal depression with your fifth kid, you know, like it's just something that is not talked about enough about. Yeah. So I want to make sure that women know, like if you can't get up to brush your teeth in the morning, or if you're struggling to shower, if you're crying for three months, something more serious is is probably going on rather than you just like having pregnancy weird hormones. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so true. You know, you hear so much about postpartum depression, postpartum depression, postpartum depression. Yeah. You have a baby and people are checking in on you and helping you out. And it's normal to have all these hormones and emotions. And, um, you go to a pediatric appointment or an OB appointment and they're screening you for these things. And everyone's kind of, you know, tries to be on top of it. Postpartum, the hospital educates you about it. Um, there's all, all these things, uh, I guess, safety nets for postpartum depression. And then when it comes to, you know, prenatal depression, you don't, you don't really hear anything about it. I mean, I'm like, this is, honestly, you talking about this is like news to me. And I've been, you know, in this world as a labor and delivery nurse and a booth birth doula and having this podcast for a long time. And, um, this is kind of, like I said, like news to me type of conversation, because I don't even know much about it. And I didn't even really know it was much of a thing. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And not that postpartum depression. I think we have a long way to go Absolutely. with educating women and supporting them with postpartum depression. But like comparatively speaking, no one talks about prenatal depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's kind of my mission of like, if you're experiencing this, you're not alone and yeah. it's okay. And you need to recognize the signs and, you know, maybe even be more aware of like, oh, I have one of the risk factors. So I need to be more alert. Um, and it's so funny because my boyfriend is now my husband, praise God. But, um, so he and I have had, we had a lot of extensive conversations in my pregnancy about postpartum depression, kind of expecting us to experience postpartum depression. And I, for whatever reason I didn't, which is a blessing. Yes. A huge blessing, a huge answered prayer, but like most of the signs are the same. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why we didn't recognize at the time, like I'm experiencing all of those right now. Right. (laughs) And instead we were just like, huh? Yeah. Hormones, pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned the risk factors, a stressful event and unplanned pregnancy kind of getting more into like a clinical shift of the conversation. Mm-hmm. What Absolutely. as far as like big risks that, or um, I'm sorry, not risk factors, but like symptoms, I guess, are the huge ones. I'm sure it kind of like you, 
like you just said, kind of mimics um, postpartum depression. And then as far as like, not even the word treatment, but more like help or um, how to be kind of proactive on it. Get into that for us. Okay. So this may, let's break this down into chunks, Jen, because I don't want to be talking for like 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So starting out the easy definition of prenatal depression is just depression that refers to depressive symptoms experienced by expectant mothers during pregnancy. Got it. Super, super easy. The symptoms are very similar to just depression symptoms, Mm -hmm. but are obviously present in your pregnancy. And I know for me specifically with just my personality, I had, and my story, I had never experienced depression prior. Got it. So this was a whole new realm for me. And I think it would have been really beneficial if I could have had a list or something. And it almost like I would have to face and be like, holy cow, I have five of those symptoms. Like this is probably what I have instead of just being like, you know, yeah, it was hard to brush my teeth today. Or like, yeah, I'm not hungry at all. Or, you know, like you don't really accumulate all of them. Right. So I do want to list off all of these symptoms because I think it's really helpful to someone to be able to hear these in one place, like in one setting. So here they are. Persistent sadness, feelings of hopelessness, loss of interest or pleasure in activities, changes in appetite. And I am not just talking about first trimester, morning sickness, sickness, nausea. Yeah. Um, and changes in sleep patterns, irritability, excessive worry or anxiety about the pregnancy, guilt or feelings of inadequacy, difficulty concentrating, and then lastly, thoughts of self, self-harm or suicide. So if you are reading those and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I could be experiencing that. I just want you to know that it is okay and that there are things that you can do to seek treatment, kind of lessen the severity of it. Um, but know that it's not your fault. And also there's just so much shame around it, right? Like yeah. you're supposed to be glowing and yes. there's this expectation right. to be like glowing and the happiest that you've ever felt and getting to kick the baby, feeling the baby kick and like what a mother's kick joy. the baby. Don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Feel the baby um, kick. The baby I knew where you were going. Thank you. Um, and so like when you're experiencing some like something like this, there's just a lot of shame and you yeah. may not really want to, I guess, em- almost embrace it or mm-hmm. like take it on because yeah. it's just a lot, right? Like, and I think it doesn't matter because it, you, I mean, you could have a lot of shame feeling this way if like you know your best friend is struggling with infertility and then it looks like you're not happy to be pregnant and that's not the case at all right or you yourself might have have struggled with infertility for seven years and you get pregnant and now you're struggling and you feel guilty and a lot of shame for feeling this way when this is what you've wanted for years right Right. there's just there's just a lot and so I just want to encourage you to seek the treatment that you deserve regardless of how you should be feeling right yeah. Um, so moving on, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, Maybe you're good. Too. Okay. I was going to say, you know, you said seeking the help. So as far as like logistically, what does that look like? Because, you know, I guess you see an OB or provider, midwife, whatever that looks like throughout your pregnancy. Is that the same type of person who is going to also take on, you know, something like this? Is there a different specialist as far as, 
you know, counselors and therapy, obviously when it comes to mental health, like that's everybody's first thought is like, Oh, mm-hmm. you, you go to therapy, you go to counseling, you talk to somebody about it. Um, yeah. I'm sure there are therapists that, you know, I, I'd assume specialize in more like pregnancy related mood disorder things. Yes, you're exactly right. So I, I like to talk about eight tips um, to help someone who may be experiencing it. The first, we just discussed those symptoms, or those signs. And that is number one. The most important is just like recognize the signs. Number two is to talk openly about your healthcare provider about it. Okay. This is just a really great starting point. You're probably going in for those appointments very regularly anyway. Like what you talked about at the beginning, Jen, of like there's not really any screening during pregnancy. So you do have to advocate for yourself. Right. They are not going to ask you about your mental health during pregnancy. The the best that you'll get is when they come your doctor comes into the room and they're just being cordial and is like, How are you doing? Are you excited? How are you feeling? You know? So you really kind of have to take it upon yourself and be like, actually, I'm really struggling. And this is more serious than just like a stressful week at work or, you know, like I'm actually struggling. Um, so that would be number tip. Number two, they can either refer you to a therapist or you can seek out a therapist, um, on your own. I would highly, highly suggest that you find one that specializes. If you can't find one that has experience with prenatal depression, then I would find someone that has experience in postpartum depression. Yeah. If you can't find someone that has experience in postpartum depression, because I know, I mean, some of us live out here in the boonies of like North Dakota, you know, like (laughs) just depending on where you live and what's available to you. Um, if you can't find someone who hasn't, or who has experience with postpartum depression or specializes in it, then I would just suggest like a female mom at the very least. Right. Just because you in a very vulnerable setting and situation, um, you want to make sure that you are seen by someone who really gets it. Yeah. And they would have more understanding than a run-of-the-mill therapist. Yeah. And the other good thing, you know, I think a shift that happened during COVID is like a lot of therapists went virtual. And while sometimes that stinks because I think face-to-face is still just like a different level of of vulnerability um, for people who do live far out in places that maybe don't have access to this kind of more specific therapist, I bet you with every dime I have that you can find one that can practice virtually and who will still see you. Yeah, that's a great point. A hundred percent. Or even if you already have a therapist who you love, like you might as well just bring it up to them. Maybe they have a referral yeah. for you. Um, use your network. Yeah. Then number f- tip number four is to seek social support because it is so easy to isolate ourselves when we are experiencing something like this. You don't want to seek social support. You don't want to talk to people. So I would really challenge you for your mental health and for your well-being, you need social support. You're not going to feel like it, but that's really what you need and that's what's best for you. At the same time, I do want you to take a good hard look at your social circle and who you're choosing to be in that and set any boundaries or remove people who aren't able to support you at this time. If there is 
someone, even your mom or your mother-in-law or your best friend who's giving you a lot of flack because you should be grateful for just being pregnant, you don't have to hang out with them. Like I'm just a huge proponent of setting boundaries and being very selective with your, of who's in your inner circle. Absolutely. It's so important. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. So that's number four. Number five, this is probably one of my favorite tips because you're not going to find this elsewhere. And it's to unfollow any and all negative social media accounts. And you are grinning ear to ear right now, Jen. I know, I know, you know what I'm talking about. There is just such an influx of like relatable mom content out there that is going to make you feel so much crummier about being pregnant because they don't paint motherhood in a good light. They're going to make you feel just like bitter at your partner, at the world for being female, all of the things. Unfollow those accounts. They do not serve you and you are going to feel just crummier, more bitter, angrier when you're done like scrolling your phone. Yeah. I think of like two big things when you say that, that comes to mind as far as like unfollowing is in one side of it. It's like the accounts that like you mentioned are like the kind of funny, relatable, you know, mom. And while it's funny, I think, especially when you're struggling with, you know, prenatal, postpartum depression, anxiety, whatever, they make light and they make fun and they make jokes at really common mom struggles. And maybe one day you can look back and you can laugh at that stuff. But right now, while your head is not in a healthy spot, it's not healthy for you to watch any content of somebody making fun at the typical things that moms go through. Even like there's a million Instagram jokes about moms being, you know, tired and and overrun. And um, they're trying to make light of it, like I said, but you're not in a place for that. And then the second thing I think of also And I don't know, I'm curious to hear your take on this, but is the Instagram accounts that also are like this, like whimsical, like, look at me, I'm a mom, but I have this huge, beautiful house. This stuff gets me like this huge, beautiful house. It's not even the homesteading. It's like the perfectly curated everything. Like I follow some girls on Instagram. Maybe I need to go and follow who are like cooking and they're cleaning and their house is beautiful. And they have like seven kids who are like dressed perfectly every day. And there's not a spot on this girl's floor. Like you could eat off her floor and the house is probably $3 million. And all that to say, it's just perfectly curated. It makes motherhood depicted as this crazy, beautiful, like pristine thing, I think. And then it's where it gets in your head as a mom, you're like, oh my gosh, but my house is dirty and my laundry is not done. And I'm getting takeout for dinner and my floors haven't been swept in a week. And my kids are running around in diapers half the day. And why am I failing? Because my, my motherhood doesn't look like that. That also is a really, really tricky, bad place to get your head to. A hundred percent. And I think that's why there was such a great influx of these like relatable mom content to counteract it almost. Yes. Because it used to be so like picture perfect Instagram curated life that then women were like feeling less than, and like, this Mm -hmm. isn't reality. So then they've almost flipped the script completely and is like, I'm going to just tell you all of the hard and I'm going to complain about being the default parent. And I'm going to tell you like, you know, mom math versus dad math or like just all of the things. And when you're in such a vulnerable place, like what you just said, Jen, it does not serve you. 
Yeah. They're just two extremes that are, you're right. They are complete opposites of each other. And you need to have like a middle ground of like, Hey, here's what it really is like. And um, yeah, I think it's important to remember that both ends of the spectrum also, like they're getting paid for that stuff. So while I see the women with like perfectly curated Instagrams and they make this beautiful reel and I'm like, how do they even have time to make that reel? They're making a lot of money off that kind of stuff too. So remember that this is probably their full-time job. That's a great point. That is a great point. And that was something that spurred me into creating my podcast and my platform, if you will, of like, I don't give into toxic positivity either because that's not helpful and that doesn't serve anyone, but I'm not just going to sit here and bash motherhood and partner bash my husband. So instead I'm going to be like, yeah, morning sickness sucks, but here are 10 healthy foods that are easier to eat. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like to actually give the tools that women need to overcome the hard and not negate the hard either. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a, that's a good one. Okay. That was number four, five, four, (laughs) that was number five, five. Okay. What's number number six. This is a very typical, like, um, mental health tip of just engage in self-care. So, you know, one of the signs that you have prenatal depression is a lack of interest in your regular hobbies. So you, you kind of have to force yourself, right? Like I love to paint, force yourself to paint or find better yet, find one of your support people and be like, I need you to hold me accountable to painting or to going on a speed walk or to taking a bubble bath, like whatever you need, we're reading a book. I mean, there's so many, right? We're multifaceted people. We all have different interests and hobbies, but I think if you ask one of your support people to help like keep you accountable to that, then that's going to help because you in your depressive state will have no interest in painting, but you, that's going to help you. Then number seven, again, another common one is just to get outside even if it's 10 minutes, even if it's a walk around your neighborhood, it's going to help. I remember Matthew literally like forcing me to get up and go on a walk around the block. And that would be the only time that I stepped outside because I just was not in the headspace for it. But my sport person, Matthew, he made my butt get up. And it's not the like, oh, I stepped outside for 10 minutes and I'm cured, but it just helps lessen the symptoms a little bit. And even if you lessen it 1%, that is 1% better. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh air and sunshine can never do you wrong. Yes. And we're about to head into winter. So it's a little tougher, mm-hmm. but do it anyway. Yeah. Um, then number eight is seek medication. Like if that is, if you're at a place, self-harm, thinking about self-harm, you think about self-suicide or suicide, or even, you're not, but you're just really struggling and you can't get through the day. Like there is absolutely no shame in taking medication. Medication exists and it is there for you. The one thing that I do want to make sure I say, and I say this, and I do not want to deter anyone from getting like from using medication, because if that's really what you need, then that's what you need. But I just want you to Let's say you go to your doctor and you're, and they want to put you on medication. I really do want you to go through the side effects with them for that, because that just may impact your birth plan. Mm -hmm. And not that that's, you know, maybe you'll have, maybe one of the side effects is like higher blood pressure. So then they'll want to induce you at 39 weeks, but you are hoping to go natural, right? I don't want that to deter you from using medication if you need it, 
but I just don't want you then to still have this picture of a natural labor in your mind when you might have to be induced at 39 weeks because of the side effect. Right. Cause then yeah. that could even catapult you into postpartum depression. Right. Yeah. And you know, in, in a normal world, you know, your provider should be doing that anyway. That's called like true, true informed consent is when they're like, yeah, here are the benefits. Here are the risks. Here are the side effects. Here are blah, 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 blah. But yeah. let's, let's be real. We've all been to the doctor. We've all had a prescription or two or more that almost never happens. They're like, Hey, yes. here's this medication. It's safe for you. It's safe for baby. And you know, moving on. Um, yeah. so I do like that because you're absolutely right. Like, especially being pregnant, if you care about the side effects of a medication, there's no time to care more than right now while you are pregnant and going to be, you know, taking a pill every single day that, you know, you, you just need to be able to make that incision with or decision with complete informed consent for you and your baby. Yes. And even if they run through those side effects, for those of us who are first-time moms or those of us that are not in the medical field, we may not know that those side effects would change the, right. our birth outcomes. You know, it's just like, oh, increased heart rate. Oh, increased blood pressure. Huh. You know? Yeah. Like you don't know that because you haven't gone through it. Yeah. So those are kind of my eight tips for someone who's experiencing it. Okay. That's awesome. Those were great, super practical. Um, one of this question that kind of popped into my head as we were talking, I know you mentioned before we got on this call, one in seven women can experience this when you are thinking about it. Is it normally something that, you know, starts at seven weeks and carries on till 40? Is it something mm -hmm. that starts at 30 weeks and goes to 40? Can it be anytime? Like, is there a more typical or more, um, I guess like high risk time frame throughout your pregnancy to develop prenatal depression? That is such a good question. And I am going to be honest, I've been on quite a few. I've had my own podcast episode on this and I've gone on quite a few podcasts to discuss this. And this is the first time that someone has asked me this question, Jen. Okay. I love it. And it's okay but, if you don't know. No, unfortunately I don't know. Okay. I know in my story, yeah, what's, what's, what's I got your experience? hit really hard, like right up front, okay. right up front. And then it slowly got better. It wasn't better overnight and it wasn't linear. Mm -hmm. So eventually I got to a place where I was like, oh, I haven't cried in two weeks. And then I had a complete meltdown right, right, right. and had the whole thing. And then, you know, I had a, a two week burst and then it wasn't for four weeks. And then, you know, like slowly, steadily, it got better, but it wasn't linear and it wasn't overnight. And I, I think this might play into some of those risk factors that yeah, we absolutely. haven't discussed, but listing those off for anyone who's listening, history of depression or anxiety is one. Another is stressful life events, uh, a lack of social support, relationship difficulties, financial strain, and unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. So if you're already at risk and, um, you know, something else happens, it might like push you over or just one of those things happen in addition to your pregnancy hormones. Like we don't know why these things happen. I think it's also important though, to stop here, Jen, and just be like, yes, those are the risk factors, but that doesn't mean that those are the only people who are going to experience it. Like you can be outside, you cannot have any of those risk factors and experience prenatal depression. And there is no shame in experiencing that just because you just because this was a planned pregnancy or just because you've never had depression before, or you guys are totally fine financially. Like right. there's no explanation. Right. 
Right. Absolutely. It's like these things make you more likely. However, you can have a great financial situation, an amazing supportive partner, a pregnancy that you've been wanting for years, all the things. And, you know, just like, just like postpartum depression, it really can strike anybody, you know, it's, it's so hard because it just can come. And I'm sure you like, I know, you know, like, like you were kind of getting into your story and, and everything that happened with you. I mean, it's just, you're right. It's just the mind boggling thought of like, I should be so happy. I should be so fulfilled. I have this beautiful pregnancy, but I don't feel that way. And that can only like add to all the other things that you're already going to with the shame and the guilt that comes with it. Yes. Yes. It can really only like catapult. So once you start kind of playing mind games, like don't do that. (laughs) It will only exaggerate or worsen your symptoms. Um, don't try to like figure out why or make yourself feel bad for why you're going through this. Just kind of like recognize the signs and start trying to work through it with those eight tips. So then kind of continuing on. So obviously this is something real that you've dealt with and that was super helpful to like kind of go clinical for a minute, really unpack it. I think that all that was so tangible and really understandable as well. Um, but then throughout your pregnancy for what you experienced, you know, did you have this depression until you had your baby. And then, you know, after you had her, I know you said you didn't really struggle with postpartum depression. Was it kind of like this weight that lifted suddenly after she was born that you felt a lot better? Yeah. So in my experience, um, it got my prenatal depression was not it. I don't think it really ever went away. So it was definitely the most severe in the first trimester. By the time we got to the third, I definitely still was not a hundred percent myself, but comparatively speaking to where I was in my first trimester, I was a night and day person, but you know, compared to how I am regular, and I'm sure you put in so much work in between, you know, that first trimester and the end. Yes, that is true. Um, so for me, which I don't, I don't think this is common based on my experience, based on my conversations with other women that I've had of sharing my story and then being like, oh my gosh, that's what I had. Cause that's usually how this goes. This is like the first time that anyone's ever heard of it. Yeah. Um, for me, which is not the norm, I delivered her and it was like you said, it was a weight lifted off. I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. So I like hands down, just believe that that was God, like giving me this grace and this blessing. And it was yeah. almost like, he was like, man, Layla's, Layla's had it rough. I'm yeah. not going to give her any more than she can handle. Because <laughs> she's, she's okay. Um, and so that's my story. But if you have prenatal depression, you are at a higher risk Absolutely. for experiencing postpartum depression. Totally makes sense. So that just totally sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we're a lot of like in like the, um, you know, glass, not glass, half deep, glass, half full type of thoughts. The one thing is, you know, let's say it does carry on into postpartum. Hopefully you have already started to be proactive on getting on top of it during your pregnancy. So if these are signs or symptoms and you're pregnant right now or postpartum right now, it's never too late, you know, start instilling all those tips that Layla just shared and that way, you know, just in case you, you do get postpartum and you do have the baby and things kind of continue or maybe even get harder 
Um, you are already have sought out therapy. You already have a therapist that you're working with. You're already making it a habit of getting, you know, sunlight. Your OB is already well-versed and aware of these things. So they also have another little like red flag in their mind almost to watch you a little bit closer, you know, and instill all these little habits. That way, when you do get to that postpartum period, you are prepared, over-prepare, you know, just in case. Yes. <laughs> you're so, that was a great yes. point. I was like, <laughs> You're so good, Jen. That oh, was like funny. such a great point. I was like, yes, continue. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> no. Um, awesome. Well, honestly, this was super helpful. Do you have any other like um, anything else to like add any other, you know, tips? I really am. I'm glad that you came on. Layla and I actually struggled to align this a little bit. We had a crazy week and you have been great and so patient with me trying to like get this all rescheduled. So um, like I said, I'm I'm super excited because nobody has came on and talked about this before. And I do think, you know, a lot of women will include maybe like a postpartum anxiety um, or even postpartum depression struggle that they had in their like at the end of their birth story. So we do talk about that quite a bit on here. Um, so it's really interesting and really, really good to have this on. I think it's going to be such a good resource. I'm cheering you on, on your, you know, mission to educate and empower women in this. It, it's just an amazing thing. Um, and so I'm excited. And if, if you are in Charlotte or local to the Charlotte area or North Carolina in general, and you do are struggling with anything postpartum, you know, in, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, prenatal, um, as a doula, I have an amazing network of amazing psychologists and therapists and counselors. So if you are in the North Carolina region, um, I think that's how it works. They're like certified with the state, like they can practice in certain States. So if you're anywhere in North Carolina, especially Charlotte, and you need any help or references, please let me know because we have all of them. <laughs> Anything else, you know, that, that for you, um, well, I think like just something that I usually leave at the yeah. end of these podcast interviews is just like something that's so cliche and I have no shame in just admitting it is so cliche when you are experiencing prenatal depression, or even if you're not, and you're just hanging out throughout this episode and you don't feel like you're ready to be a mom. I mean, that was me. I was 24 was pregnant. I wasn't married. I never wanted really to be a mom. I was working to relocate to London with my job. There was wow. so much that I just wanted to do. And I was like, I'm not ready to be a mom because I'm not ready to settle down. I'm not, I just, you know, I didn't, I wasn't ready. And I think we, especially if you're experiencing prenatal depression, there's always going to be like a, you're gonna, you're going to think that you're going to be a lot more ready once you turn 35 or once you have that promotion, or once you have that ring on your finger, or, you know, once you're able to buy a house, like all those things, I just want to tell you as cliche as it is that you are ready for motherhood. You just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. And that like you were made to be this baby's mom and that you got it. You can do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I usually always end with asking like, what is your last or like your biggest piece of advice or takeaway having been through what you've been through? So that mm. was perfect to be yours. Um, and, and I love it. You're absolutely right. Because mm. as much as, you know, you'll hear some people like, oh, you're going to know when it's the right time. Then you know, other people say like, well, it's never really the right time. Like you could put off having kids forever. You Ever. Could, I don't think I, I would have been like, yeah, maybe at 45, I'll start yeah, trying. Right. <laughs> you really can. You can be like, oh, we just need a little bit bigger house or I need a better car. Or, I want to take one last trip or I want to get one more promotion or I want to make over six figures, you know, whatever that like goal is for you. And 
not to say on the flip side of this, like, oh, rushing to having kids because you're never going to be ready. I'm not saying that, but um, I am also, you know, being a woman of faith too. It's like, you know, if God blesses you with a child, we're told that it is a blessing and it's going to be a beautiful blessing. And so um, you're going to rise to the occasion, even if you don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy of this. I cannot be a mother. You're going to rise to the occasion because it is embedded in you. It is embedded in me. We were created to be, to be women and to be mothers. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So um, I think a support person or a support system is also one of the biggest things with that is people who are going to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. Um, because motherhood, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster and having good, strong women alongside of you, you know, we say it takes a village and it really does. Yeah. Amen. That's amen. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Layla. I'm so glad we got to do this. I'm so glad I got to have you on the podcast and, um, I'm excited to follow along your podcast. Um, I will link that also in the show notes for anybody who wants to find it. I also link your Instagram for anybody who wants to find it there too. And I really appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on and letting me just speak about my story and spread the awareness of prenatal depression so that other women don't feel so alone as they experience it themselves. Yes. Amazing. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.